All right. Praise God. Well, amen. God's good, isn't he? Well, today we're honored to have Tim Brown uh, from Kokomo. I know uh, many of you got some information on him a little bit, but uh, Tim has been traveling uh, around uh, places, ministering and uh, healing, and uh, you are, the Lord has sent him to us today. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to introduce him. He is a passionate lover of God, and uh, we're, we're just really glad to have him today. But would you guys give him a warm New Covenant welcome? Amen. There we go. <laughs> Amen. Good to be here. New Covenant in Newcastle. And uh, some, some, some familiar faces, your pastor and Mike and Tom. I knew all the way back from Muncie. I pastored in Muncie for a while. And uh, we are just, just excited to be here. And I do have a wife and I have a nine-year-old daughter who is just the smartest thing in the world and beautiful thing in the world. And yes, I believe in firearms. And... Uh, <laughs> All that good stuff <laughs> for protection uh, and all those things. So it's good to be here. Um, I, just, I just heard during worship, um, there are several people here. I just, just right off the bat, when, when, uh, when there's a charged atmosphere, I want to uh, go ahead and, and do a couple of things. But um, there are several people here today that uh, are pro having problems hearing. All right, you have uh, problems in your ears, and so I, I, I'm, I'm going to have you in a moment lay your hands on your ears. There's those, there's some in this room that don't know you have a hearing problem. Your spouse knows, but you don't, uh, and your ears are going to get warm. Your ears are going to get warm, and uh, uh, right now, so just, put, just put your hands on your ears if you're having a hearing problem, and I want you to make this confession. Say, I received this healing because of what Jesus has done. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just, uh, I just think you need that today. Uh, you know, I, I have been going around here for a couple of years now and have been really uh, involved and excited about healing ministry since 1985, and it's taken me a long journey to get where I am today, but uh, I believe that the Lord had me go on that journey so that those that follow me will not have to do that. Will not have to take that long of a journey because he ha has me on a road of uh, teaching and training. And that's one of the things in that packet is a booklet that I use to uh, train people in healing ministry. Because as we say in, in our circles that uh, our floor is your, our ceiling is your floor. So uh, you don't have to relearn what we've learned, what it's taken 30 years for us to learn, uh, that, that uh, we see brand new Christians coming in already operating in healing, yep. right? And that way it's supposed to be. Yeah come in because, because if they have Jesus, they have the gift giver on the inside of them. They have the healer in them. And, uh, and so we're seeing some tremendous things. Uh, just, just a uh, quick testimony of this past week um, because um, uh, some people, I, I was at this one church uh, uh, this past year, but this gentleman, a friend of mine, what didn't came, come to my classes, he had to work, but I've, I've talked to him about uh, healing and, and uh, how that works and all those things. And so uh, I get a call from him a week ago Friday, and uh, and so he says I got he says how you doing? I was in a store actually at the time, and uh, he said Tim he said uh, finally he said I got a friend here, uh, Chester, who's got something wrong with the on his right before your big toe. Uh, there's something on his foot that's been causing pain for months, and um, and and it is there, but he's also on blood thinners. And so the, so the doctors want to just take a biopsy of his foot. And just to do this biopsy, it's going to risk his life because he could bleed to death, all right, because of this. And so, uh, so he's telling me this. He's, at, he's actually at work. He's, um, he's working, and this gentleman is the superintendent of, of a corporation. And so... Uh, uh, and he already has already prepped this guy. He's already got his hand. I don't know this, but he's already got his hand laid on him. And he's got me on speakerphone. And uh, he says, will you pray with us? And so, yeah, I said, absolutely. 
And so I'm in the store, and, I, and so I just be, we just begin to agree and even do that, what, what we confessed earlier about I received this healing. And I was just encouraging the, encouraging the man. He says, yeah, Jesus is my healer. And so uh, he said that he went home that, that night and told his wife, I don't want to have that surgery. I believe the Lord is going to heal me. The Lord is healing me. He is my healer. And so that was Friday. I get a call from my friend Sunday night. And he says that, that a couple of days, I don't, I don't know exactly which day between Friday and Sunday, but he said he was driving home. Usually he gets, gets home and he has to soak that foot in something because it's so painful. And he said as he's driving home, his foot gets warm. And then it gets hot. Yeah. It gets extremely hot. And by the time he gets home, he's completely healed. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, we are just excited to be alive. This is the best day to be alive and to be a Christian, to be serving God. And uh, I just excited that, that Joel is here. Uh, when, you know, that was just a confirmation to me that as, uh, as we were coming today and uh, just a, the, the beginning of this year, as uh, Joel's testimony, and it's gone around, probably gone around the world by now, uh, of, of what God has done. And so, uh, and just for me to be here and just to impart some things to you today, just a confirmation of uh, what the Lord wants me to share with you today. Before we do that, I got one more thing. I always have some people that, uh, you know, they leave their amens at home. Well, I brought some extra ones in my pocket, all right? And, uh, and these, are, these are people, I may be the only speaker that you have that, that encourages you to keep your phone out, all right? I, I want you to go ahead and put my, my number up on the screen. For those of you that text, don't call me. I want, you to, I want you to text me. If you're too shy to say amen, I want you to text me and I'll say amen for you. All right? I do not want you to go home and, and, and leave your amens, you know, with you. I want you to leave them all here. All right? So my phone is right there. That's my phone number. I got my phone on. So when you text me, I'll say amen for you. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is... Here it comes. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, and I, if you're not shy, say amen. But if you're shy... All right. I already got one. Amen. How come I didn't hear that very well? All right. I got it turned up. Praise God. All right. We're going to go to Mark chapter 9. And uh, if you would, I'd like for you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I usually like people to stand. And uh, this is Mark chapter 9. Amen. All right. Mark chapter 9 is uh, directly after the transformation account. I'm afraid to go out here because I might, but could, you, could we bring my water? I forgot my water. Tom said I'll get, uh, we'll get feedback if I get in front of there, so thank you. Oh, no, I won't sit. Oh, for this, okay, yeah. Mark chapter 9. Verse number 14 says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him and greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Everybody say out loud, all things are possible to him who believes. All right, let's finish this story. Verse 24, amen. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, he wasn't really being double-minded here. Um, this man, you know, he's saying, I believe, but if, if my faith isn't strong enough, uh, help my faith right there. 
Okay, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people had come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. All right, before you sit down, I want you to find two people, and I just want you to tell them all things are possible for those who believe. All right? Just tell a couple of people all things are possible for those who believe. All right. You may be seated. All things are possible to him who believes. I'm going to say it one more time. All things are possible to him who believes. Now, I want us to get a hold of some mountain-moving faith this morning. All right? Now, when I was reading these scriptures, I realized how many times we are challenged by Jesus or by the Word in particular to have faith, to believe, not to doubt, not to fear, but to walk and to live in faith. He said to the children of Israel, Behold, I am the Lord thy God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Amen. Okay? Now, I don't know what anybody else is facing here today, but I want to tell you something, that whatever you are facing, nothing is too difficult for Jesus to turn it around. Right? Come on, I got some witnesses in here that God's turned some things around for you. Hallelujah. Yes. So we are encouraged to have faith to believe. And so even when he came to uh, the tomb of Lazarus and, and, said, and said to them, If you can believe, you shall see the glory of God. And so when we read through scriptures, we find out that miracles are needed, but miracles are not automatic. That many people need miracles, but they don't get them. But some people, if they can find the faith to believe anything, is possible. I don't know if you believe that. Not just some things, but all things, anything, is possible. In this scripture, Jesus said to the man that all things are possible to him who believes. So we find out that nothing is impossible if we then can find the faith that was given to us, okay? If we can get what I call a present faith. Now, when we come into this life of serving God, that our faith must be present. Our faith must be with us at all times. Now, the reason this is important is because uh, Jesus comes to them and rebukes them as he had on more than one occasion. And he said to his disciples, uh, how long do I have to be with you, you faithless generation? Now, his point wasn't that he didn't enjoy being with them and hanging out with them, that he was just ready to leave. His point was, how long do I have to be with you until you can believe? Yeah, what all do you have to see to shake you from your unbelief? Because Jesus had spent his life up until now with his disciples on every occasion, shaking their unbelief loose from them, doing the impossible in front of them. Amen, amen. <laughs> and so he was saying to them, if you don't have faith now, after all that you have seen, what is it going to take for you to keep your faith present with you? Hey, I'm going to ask you that question. I'm going to ask New Covenant Church that same question right now. After all that you've seen, what is it going to take for you to keep your faith present with you? What has to happen for you to start believing? Right? So I just kind of ran through what happened up until Mark chapter 9. See, this is, this is Mark chapter 9. A lot's happened until then. Okay? And so I said, I wonder what has been going on between when Jesus first met these guys and, he, and then he said to them, what is it going to take you to loose you from your unbelief? So I thought I'd just give you a quick little cursory study of it. Are you ready? All right. Mark chapter 1, the first thing that he comes to is a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. 
So the first thing his disciples see him do is deal with a, a demonic spirit. Now, he goes from that demonic spirit experience to Peter's house where his mother-in-law is sick with a fever and Jesus heals her. Then they bring many that are sick and he heals the sick and he cast out many devils. Then he goes to Galilee and he cast out devils there. And then he heals a leper. That's Mark chapter 1. Those are the first things that his disciples see him do. Mark chapter 2, the crippled man, the sick with the palsy, they watch him heal them. Okay, Mark chapter 3, the man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day, stretch it out, he's healed. Then he goes from there and he does more healings and deliverances. Okay, that's just Mark chapter 3. Then in Mark chapter 4, he calms a storm. He speaks to the winds and the waves and he says, peace be still. And, and says to them in the midst of that, that storm, how come you didn't have any faith? Yes. Right? So then Mark chapter 5, he, the first thing he does is he comes to the demoniac of the Gadarenes and heals him. Then he goes to Jairus' house and heals his daughter. Then on the way to Jairus' house, there's the woman with the issue of blood, and she gets healed. That's just Mark chapter 5. Then by the time we get to Mark chapter 6, he comes to his own hometown, and the Bible says that he could do no great works there because of their unbelief, but on his way out he did heal a few sick folks. Right? Then he feeds 5,000 people. Then he walks on the water. Then in Gennesaret, everyone who touched him was healed. Are you listening to me? Okay. Then we come to Mark chapter 7. The Syrophoenician woman comes to him and she says, even the dogs get the crumbs uh, from the table and he heals her daughter. Okay. Then he comes to Decapolis and he heals a deaf and a mute man. Then in Mark chapter 8, he, he, he feeds 4,000 people. Are you all paying attention to this? Okay. Then he heals a blind man in Bethsaida. See, this is what they've been walking in, okay, in those eight chapters, day after day, healing, deliverance, walking on water, multiplying loaves and fish, speaking to the wind. Every place Jesus goes, he brings them to their limitation, whether it's a storm, whether it's loaves and fish, whether it's with demonic power, whether it's with the situations that they don't know what to do with. Every day, watch now, Jesus is not just showing them something, right? He is teaching them something. He is teaching them that, that, that what happened is that, uh, that when you come to the end of your ability, that you still have the capacity to believe something that you can't do is possible even in the midst of that circumstance. See, I want to say to you, as you look back over your life and see the things that God has done, it's not just there to provoke you to praise, but every miracle, every deliverance, every guidance, every provision, every protection was there to teach you something so that when you came to the next circumstance that looked impossible, rather than falling back into doubt and unbelief, that you would say, the same God that helped me through there is the same God that brought me to this point and he's going to carry me on. See, you would think that if you had seen Jesus walk on water and multiply loaves and heal headaches and cast out devils, you'd say this is no problem at all. But we have a tendency to think that the last thing that God did for us is the last thing that God's ever going to do for us. Right? But I just came by to tell you that he's trying to teach you something that we serve a miracle working, almighty, powerful God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Right? If we are to be God's people for this great end time harvest, we need to believe for more than just getting through. Right? We have to have that kind of mountain-moving, barrier-breaking faith that causes us to see that it's time to see the miracles of God all over again. And I don't know what you came to do, but I am not satisfied to go to church and hear, what God, hear about what God used to do. I don't want to come to church and just read about God's miracle of working power in somebody else's life. Right? I'm looking for some people that believe God that today is the day of resurrection power. Today's the day. Now, I don't know how you feel today or what you came to do, but I came out to tell you that even in our midst today, there are people who, who have, uh, are at a place in their life, in their body, 
in their family, in their mind that need the delivering, miracle-working power of God to be present in this house to deliver them and set them free. And somebody ought to let them know that this is not a religious club. This is not a Bible school. This is not a ceremony. This is a place where all things are possible if you can find the faith to push your doubt out and believe God. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on now. Hallelujah. He is a miracle-working God. Listen to this now. He is a miracle-working God, and he told them, if you can believe. He brought them to the place where their limitations were always tested and showed them that there was no reason for them when they came to the end of their ability that they were at the beginning of their faith. I want to say that to you again. When you come to the end of your ability, you're only at the beginning of your faith. You don't need faith as long as you can do it. You don't need the supernatural ability when the natural ability will get the job done. Right? Your faith is there when there's you know, something that you can't do. And the supernatural is there when the natural is not enough. Amen. So he begins to go. He, they went to the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he comes down, the story that I read to you is what we see here. Now, there are seven things I want to point out to you, seven lessons. Really, they're uh, entire messages all in themselves. But I want to give them to you and see what they don't do uh, for your spirit. All right? Because these are things that we sometimes don't consider. The first one is that there is a power behind every problem. There is a power behind every problem. I'll let you write that down. You're taking notes. Now, there are powers that are natural powers, and then there are powers that are demonic powers. But there is a power or a force behind every problem. And most of the time, if we don't understand this concept and principle, then we spend our life dealing with the problem rather than the power behind the problem. But if you don't deal with the power that's behind the problem, by the time you get that one problem fixed, the same power is creating another problem. Okay? But when Jesus came down, rather than dealing with the problem or what you might say the manifestation, Jesus realized there was a, it was a spirit, and I believe the man realized as well that there was a power behind this problem. Saints of God, sometimes you've got to understand that something, uh, sometimes uh, something gets to working in your house and something gets to working in your family and you spend all your time doing behavior modification and conflict resolution and talking it out. But someday you ought to stop and step back and think there's a power behind this problem, Right? Now, the reason many times over the long run, and I know many people that are, are helping in therapy and thank God for them, uh, but the reason that many times therapy does not help is because it deals many times with just the problem rather than the power that's behind that problem. You've got to get to the root of the thing. Okay? And so your faith, your faith is there to carry you beyond the manifestation and to carry you beyond the problem and to help you identify that there is a power behind this problem. The power that I have in Jesus Christ through His blood and through His name. I know it's not deep, but it's going to help somebody today. All right? When you got saved, you have been given the name of Jesus. You've been given the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. And when something gets to working in your house, something gets to working in your money, something gets to working in your body, you've got to get beyond just dealing with a headache and a backache and a heart that's not working right and an arm that's not working right. You've got to realize that there's a power that has been sent from hell to destroy you and take you out of the ball game. And so it's time for you to relocate your faith, to refine your faith, and to quit battling this thing in the natural and to step over into the supernatural, miracle-working, delivering power of God. Somebody say, I have faith. I have faith. Sometimes when you've talked all you know how to talk, 
Sometimes when you've labored all that you know how to labor and read all the books that you can get a hold of and, and watched everybody's TV show, talk show, only to be more confused, sometimes it might do you some good to shut yourself in a prayer closet because this kind, this kind, not every kind, all right? But when you're dealing with something that's been there for a while, something that takes you this way and that way, something that you can't get no help. This Everybody here doesn't have one of these kinds, all right? But there are some people listening to me that have this kind of thing working, something that's engulfed, something that's entrenched, something that's fortified, something that won't listen to reason, something that you can't fix by yourself. It might do you some good to push your plate back for a day or two, shut yourself in a prayer closet and get behind the power, get to the power that's behind the problem and put it out in Jesus' name. Yeah. I dare some of you husbands and wives to go on a, a fast for three days. Okay? Spend more time fighting than fasting. Then you want to, to talk to somebody about how they can fix your fighting. This kind. Okay? See, when, when it's sometimes in the fire and sometimes in the water, hot and cold, on fire and all wet, these are extremes. Okay? Love each other, can't live without each other one day, mad and can't live together the next day. Okay? Fire and water. Amen. This kind can come out but by prayer and fasting. Don't come out by watching Oprah. Don't come out by buying flowers. Demon will chew those flowers up. Okay? So, so here's the deal. I, I am belaboring my first point on purpose. The way, here's, here's why, okay? Here's why. Because the way that we go about solving our problems is an indication of where our trust lies, where our faith is. So many Christians really have no faith because they don't really believe that if they would pray and fast together, okay, that they could get to the power behind the problem. So they want to go talk to somebody and try to make the other party at fault or to explain their actions. And how come y'all can't pray and fast? Come on, everybody wave at me. Okay, there you are. Okay. I know we like to eat and we don't like to pray. All right. But sometimes when you come up against something, when your first thought is, let me go talk to somebody, that means your faith is in somebody. Okay? You don't really believe that God, God, God can turn it around. When your first response is, well, let me go see who's on television. Let me see who's on Dr. Phil. Can I find a channel that talks about the problem that I'm going through because our trust is in them? We're looking for somebody who's supposed to be smarter than us. Someone who has inventoried the problem longer than us. Someone who is a counselor. Somebody who is a therapist. If I can't get any help that way, just get my spouse some pills. Right? Get some medicine, right? When we don't believe that God can fix it, then we're ready to, to get away from each other. Right? What we need to do is separate. Yeah, that's really going to help. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Come on now. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you separate, you give place to the devil. Right? Well, we're going to separate for a while. Yeah, and the devil's going to wear you out and going to wear her out over there. Okay? What you need to do is give no place to the devil. Come together in agreement. Bind up the power. By doing that, uh, uh, you know, push your plate back. Lock yourself in a prayer closet. Shut your TV off and go to praising God and watch something turn around. Amen. Amen. Okay? Y'all give up too easy. See, I'm challenging you. When you go through the Word of God, watch how Jesus talks about unbelief. He doesn't deal with it like, oh, well, I guess you didn't have faith. He said, how long do I have to be with you? What all have, do I have to show you? What has to go on until you shake rid of this unbelief? If you can believe, all things are possible. Second lesson from this story, this man brings his son to the disciples and embarrasses the disciples in front of Jesus, right? I brought, I brought him to, my, to your disciples and they couldn't do nothing for him. Yep. 
So the second lesson you learn is that you never know when somebody is going to identify you as a disciple. That's why you better have a present faith. Because every so often, after you've been talking all your Jesus talk, witnessing to everybody on the job, one of these days, when you least expect it, somebody's going to come up to you and say, oh, you're one of those disciples. I need you to pray for me. Right? You never know when somebody's going to identify you as one of those disciples. Can you imagine what happened to these disciples? Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration when this whole story goes down. And uh, he was up there with Peter, James, and John. So there's Jesus. The three heavy hitter disciples are with him and up on a mountain. And so the other, the other disciples think it's holiday, right? It's time off. And sure enough, when they least expect it, when they've done... You know, they've been counting on Jesus and the three main guys to do everything. Somebody shows up. And I can see that, I can see them when that man says, uh, you know, my son has a demon. They're looking up that mountain wondering where Jesus is at. Right? Where'd he go? When's he coming back? Right? I mean, have you ever had somebody on kind of a, uh, been involved with you on a spiritual dimension on a day that you didn't really have it? Right? I mean, you were like, you know, of all days. Why didn't you talk to me yesterday? I was flowing yesterday. <laughs> right? Okay? But I don't quite have it today. And you, you didn't tell them that, but you came up with a little something. You know, you told them something. But if the truth be told in that situation, uh, it would be kind of like this one because they still had to go to Jesus because you couldn't do anything for them. All right? So you never know when somebody's going to identify you as a disciple. The third lesson we should learn from this story is that arguing with religious people robs you of your focus. Okay? And usually people are in the process of arguing are arguing because they can't do anything. So when Jesus comes down from the mountain, the first thing he sees is the scribes questioning his disciples. And, and it's almost written as if Jesus picks up his pace a little bit. Let me get over there before see what's going on before something happens. Right? So he says, why are you questioning them? And so he's trying to teach us something. Listen, saints of God, God has not called you to religious arguing. Okay? As a matter of fact, if somebody wants to get into a religious argument, go find somebody else. That person is not ready. You can't pick fruit off a, off a tree if it's not ripe. Okay? And, and so all the time, see, some people are sent by the enemy to rob you of your focus. Okay, because when you spend three hours arguing with them, there's all kinds of people you could have been talking to, but you can't get to because you're arguing with this guy. Okay, and, and have you found out that some people get a buzz out of it? They like, they like the intellectual stimulation. Okay, you know, they, they, they like the attention. They need to get a life. That's what it is, okay? Because the highlight of their life is striking up a religious argument with you. So now you've got to answer for things that you don't know anything about. You've got to answer for all kinds of crazy preachers. You have to answer for everything they ever heard on Christian television from a preacher. You have to answer every radio program, every book they've ever read. You have to answer the atheistic arguments that their college professor told them. You have to answer for evolution. You've got to answer every kind of scientific, astronomical questions on the age of the universe. And you have to answer all kinds of strange questions. And they love it. They love it. And they're not asking you because they want an answer. They're asking because they like to argue. The Bible says to avoid foolish questions that cause strife, right? So I'm just telling you, there are people who are sent around your path to take your focus. And I'm going to challenge you today. Here's one of the challenges, okay, and see what happens. That when you see that spirit, don't be ugly with them. Don't be rude, you know, just kind of say, hey, can I buy you a Starbucks, you know, and send them on their way. You do have Starbucks around here, right? No. The Cafe Royale, all right? But now listen to this. 
that's going to set somebody free right here. When you stop that spirit of questioning and arguing, when you stop it, the next thing you need to do is look for the opportunity that the enemy was trying to block you from with that argument. Okay? Because he would not be trying to tie up my time and block my focus unless he knew that I was getting ready to be on an assignment. Okay? So I'm going to stop that spirit and turn around and look for who has God has, has put in my path. Okay? Now, so the third lesson we learn, arguing with religious people robs us of our focus. Now, here's an interesting thing. Then Jesus comes to the man and we get another lesson. Because Jesus asked the father of this boy, he says, how long has he been this way? Now, when I read that, I thought, that's an unusual question, because I know that Jesus knows the answer. I know that Jesus, come on, talk to me in here, right? Jesus doesn't ask questions because he needs information, okay? So he knows how long this boy has been this way. And so the man says he's been this way since he was a child. Now, what lesson do we get from this? Now, watch this. Let, let this get down in your spirit. I believe the reason that Jesus draws attention to, to the duration of the problem is to once again, in the minds of the disciples, break the power of permanency. Somebody listen to me, all right? He wants to break the power of permanency. Because we have a tendency to believe that if something has been around for a long time and if it has plagued us since we were a child, that it must be permanent. And Jesus wanted everybody to know this thing may have been here for a long time, but I have the key to break the power of permanency. You lose your faith when you begin to believe that because something has been there for a long time, that it has to stay there forever. I just came by to tell you today and to take you to a level of faith that gets rid of things that have not just shown up, but things that have been hanging around for a long time. And Jesus did it over and over again. Listen to this thing. Jesus healed a man who was born blind to break the power of permanency. There was a woman that was bent over, could not lift herself up for 18 years. And he says, I have more faith than your 18 years. There was a woman who had an issue of blood, had spent everything that she had, and, and he healed her. There was a man that was laid by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, and Jesus healed him. When he came to the tomb of Lazarus, they said, you can't raise him up. He's been dead too long, right? He's been dead for four days. It's permanent. I wonder what's going on in your life that the enemy has caused you to accept as normal. That he's told you that you've always had it. You're always going to have it. And that it's always going to be that way. And it's always going to be that way. You just accept it. But Jesus said, I want, I want to know how long it's been there. Because I want you to learn the lesson that even if it seems to be permanent, it's not permanent. The mountain can move. It can move. It doesn't matter if your grandma had it and now you have it and now it's all on you. It doesn't matter. You have the capacity to believe God. And that's what he meant when Jesus said, if that you can believe, then you can say to the mountain, move. Why? Because a mountain is permanent. A mountain has been there longer than you. And Jesus said, the mountain can only stay until faith shows up. Right? When faith shows up, that mountain has got to move. Move. Amen. Amen. How many here today have something that's been around for a long time, but it's got to go? It's got to go. Come on, just touch somebody and say, it's time for it to move. Move. He breaks the power of permanency. Saints of God, it does not matter how long you've wrestled with it. Amen. When your faith comes into the now, your attitude can change overnight. Right? I mean, have you ever noticed uh, it's hard sometimes to muster up faith standing in a hospital room, machines making noise, uh, nurses and doctors running in and out, papers being shuffled, bad reports being handed to you? Let me tell you in that setting why it's hard to stir up faith. Because all around you are symbols of permanency. 
And it seems like it's going to be that way. But every so often, you've got to remind yourself that He is the God of all flesh. And there is nothing too hard for Him to do. Somebody's going to walk out of this house today with a miracle. Somebody's going to leave here free of something that's been there for a long time. Some of you have been wrestling with self-destructive thoughts since you were a child. And God's setting you free. I got news for you today. Jesus coming down your path saying, if you can believe, all things are possible. Come on, just take a minute and tell somebody, I'm going home a new person. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus does not talk to the boy. Jesus talks to the Father, and He says to him, If you can believe, all things are possible. And the man says, Help my unbelief. Now, the next lesson we should learn is that sometimes it is the person with the problem, okay? It's the, it's the people who love the person with the problem that has to do the believing. Because you can get into a place where you can't find faith. Come on, y'all were talking to me in a minute, a minute ago. Come on now, okay? You can get in that place. There are people uh, that need a miracle that have been beat down so long that Jesus is really talking to the people around them. And they're not thinking logically. They're bound up with soul ties. They're bound up with addictions. They can't quite see the situation clearly. Am I making sense to anybody? Okay, so sometimes it's the people around somebody that has to have the faith. What about the man that was carried by his four friends, right, to Jesus? They're the ones that tore a hole in the roof. They're the ones that put him on a stretcher. When, when Jesus saw their, plural, their faith, not his faith, their faith, See, sometimes there are people in your circle of influence and in your circle of life and in your circle of relationship that are struggling and they don't know how to get out of what they're in. Okay? They don't know how to believe, but you've been sitting with Jesus. You're His disciple. You've seen the miracles. You've heard the teaching. You understand. So sometimes when He wants to get a miracle to them, He's not going to talk to them. He's going to talk to you. And say, if you can believe, all things are possible. How many of you right now in your mind, you're thinking of people, right? You're thinking of people right now in your circle of influence that you can minister to. The next thing, this is interesting. Jesus said to them, how long do I have to be with you? And that lets me in on on our sixth lesson that we need to learn. And that is evidently Jesus expected his disciples to do what they had seen him do. Evidently, he was believing and expecting that there was no reason for him to have to be there for this miracle to be done. Or else he would not have rebuked them for their unbelief. Jesus thought this was a situation that they had been well equipped to handle. Can I tell you that you are not facing anything right now that Jesus has not already equipped you to handle. He does not walk us in unprepared, unarmed, and just throw us at the mercy of life circumstances. I beg to differ. See, he puts something in us that makes us stronger than our circumstances, that makes our heads be lifted up above our enemies. And yes, sometimes there is the search of the, for the answer. And sometimes there is prayer and fasting involved. And sometimes there are sleepless nights. And sometimes there are the searching of the scriptures. But I just came by to tell you that everything that you are facing, He has already prepared you for. Amen. Right? And if He has prepared you for it, I promise you, He has not, prepa- he has not prepared you to lose it. Amen. Okay? He prepared that by the time it's over... You are going to come out with power and authority. And I say that it's time for those who call themselves disciples, those who have been sitting with Jesus, could it just be that we are in a generation where people are going to start bringing to us their impossible problems because we've been sitting with Jesus long enough to actually convince them that we might have something. Yes. 
And if they believe that we have something, why don't we have enough faith to believe that we serve a God of the supernatural, a God of the miraculous, a God that can, that, that can, that can move mountains and break barriers and open Red Seas? Last point, that the spirit world overrides natural circumstances. The spirit world overrides natural circumstances. Too much of our time is, is spent trying to intellectualize God and His power. And God is so surpasses human intellect that there are things that to believe for them to come to pass, you really got to take your, your, your natural mind, you got to put it on hold, and you say, I know what my mind thinks, okay? See, faith is not overlooking circumstances. Faith is a bridge that causes you to step over your circumstances. So you begin to understand, I know what it looks like. I know what the odds are. I know what it appears to be, but you don't understand. I've been walking with Jesus long enough to have seen him do enough. And that lets me know that he is not at a loss for what he can do in this circumstance and situation. Saints of God, somebody says, why are you preaching this to us today? Because I want you to get your faith out of your natural mind. I want you to get uh, your doubt off of your circumstances. I want you to get to the point where you begin to believe every day when you wake up that you believe God. Yes. See, there are some of your relatives that are never going to believe for themselves until somebody close to them gets into some faith. Yes. Right? Okay? And, 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 and I know what it may look like, but it's time to stir your faith up all over again. Listen to this now, because sometimes we go through seasons of faith, we get sometimes what we call a burden, it's an emotional feeling, or we're drawn by the Spirit for someone. And for a season, weeks, months, we really pray for them, and we're believing for them. But sooner or later, those natural circumstances crowd out, and, and especially when we don't see things happen immediately, okay, what we've been praying for, and then we just kind of put that on a shelf. And I'm here this morning to restir that season up all over again for you to be, begin to believe that what you have relegated to be of being permanent, that you will once again pull off the shelf, find your faith again, and believe that all things, they are possible. Remember when you used to go to work and you believed that something great was going to happen? Remember when you used to believe that God had given you that place for possession? Remember when you used to believe that the biggest deal of your life was just a right around the corner? Right? I want to ask you this question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Without faith, it is impossible. Not hard. Impossible to believe, to believe God. For those that come to God must, not should believe, must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Let me ask you this question. How many believe that this place, New Covenant, is supposed to be a miracle church in this region? How many believe that the impossible is able to happen in the house of God? Okay, so I'm saying to you again, let's stir up our faith, let's learn a few lessons from this, and believe that something can happen. Yes. Now, I'm going to pray a miracle prayer in this place, okay, and we're going to agree together, amen. Okay, here's what I'm going to tell you. When we pray this prayer today in this congregation, there are people who are bound that are going to be set free, okay? Somebody says, well, I don't know. Well, you know, then Jesus is talking to people around you then, okay? But somebody in this house has enough faith to believe. Some people are going to get free from some things that look permanent, okay? There are a number of people on the sound of my voice that have circumstances. I don't even know what they are, all right? But circumstances that look permanent, that might have been there for a long time, and you're going to see them turn around quickly. 
Okay? And you're, you're going to write a testimony. You're going to give it to your pastor. He's going to read it from, from the pulpit here. And, and uh, something that you almost accepted as it's never going to change, that in a short time it's going to change. All right? Once you quit believing that it's permanent, it no longer can remain permanent. Once you quit believing that it's permanent, it can no longer remain permanent. Once you quit believing that it's permanent, it can no longer remain permanent. Under the sound of my voice today, there's healing in this place. There are many people going to be healed in this place this morning right now. The presence of the Lord is here. And your faith is at a point where you're just done dealing with it and you're ready to put your trust in God. And I want to pray this prayer in this house right now. I'm talking about a for real prayer and that your faith will get up all over again. Come on, just hands lifted all over this building. Just lift up your hands in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, ruler of all things, ruler of the earth, ruler of these bodies, ruler of life's circumstances and situations. Today, we love you and we honor you. And we say to you, Lord, we believe. Help us where we, where we don't believe. Increase our faith. And now, under the sound of my voice, not in our name, not in our power, but in the name that is above every name, Problems that have looked permanent are beginning to shrink in your mind right now. Those mountains are beginning to move. You can see it in your mind. You can see that problem turning around. You can see that situation moving. That attitude changing. That attitude changing. We already spoke to the ears. People's ears are popping right now, popping open in the name of Jesus. I speak all drugs, lose your hold right now. Drugs, lose your hold right now. Their power is gone right now. Bodies be healed right now. Right now. Those ears, those eyes, I see cataracts being dissolved right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Vocal cords being restored in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hearts, arteries being opened right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. If you have some faith today, all things, they are possible. All things are possible. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here by the name of Sam? Sam, do we have any Sams? Pardon me? All right, let's just pray for Sam or get him on the phone. Right now, just tell him, maybe he'll, he'll listen to this later. There's some, uh, he has some issue with cartilage in his back. God's healing him right now as he drives down the road, touching that cartilage right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, totally, completely healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saying. Hallelujah. Anybody named Joan? These are some things I got yesterday. Joan. You know somebody named Joan. All right. It doesn't matter if, if you're here or not. If this, if, if this is your circumstance, just take it. I, I, take, all, I take people's prophecies all the time for myself, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's, a, there's somebody concerned um, about a family member, and God says to have no more worries as the enemy has tried to, be, has tried to keep you from uh, resting in God's peace. That's, that's what the enemy's tried to do. And so laugh about it. Show the enemy that you trust in God. And then think no more concerns of it. He says that they will be fine. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Now, do we have more than one Tom? Is there just one Tom here? Just you? Or, 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 do you have a problem with your left knee? From a trauma? You would know it. You don't have to check. You would know it if you're... Your right knee. All right. Um, Right now, just no surgery, no pills. Lord, just heal Tom right now in the name of Jesus. He receives his healing because of what you have done. Because of what you have done. Hallelujah. Uh, Phyllis. Is there a guy, anybody named Phyllis? Oh, I was talking to you early. I didn't realize your name was Phyllis. Uh, was your jaw injured in an accident? 
No, somebody with their jaw injured in an accident. Is that you, sir? No? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> somebody named John or Jack. I got John, Jack, and Johnny. All right, so are you John, Jack, or Johnny? You're John. All right. Do you have any problems with your hips? No. Okay. That might be Jack then. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll go with Johnny then. John, anybody have problems with their hips this morning? Right here, right here, right here. All right. Would you, everybody just stretch your hands toward these right now. Lay hands on them if you're close to them. Right now, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hips being restored in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, just replace them. No surgery needed because of what Jesus has already done. You've already taken us to the cross. We believe, therefore we receive today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's several people here suffering from depression, hopelessness. God just wants to release a spirit of joy over you today. <laughs> Woo, to laugh at the devil. Just laugh at the devil. God is a God of hope. He's the God of second chances. The enemy is a liar. He's, a, he's the condemner, right? But just, just, just laugh and just receive God's joy today <laughs> in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to open up these altars. Pastor, did you want to come first? And uh, we're going we're gonna to have the uh, prayer teams come. I know it's 1215, so uh, as long as you need, to, you need to leave. Yes, amen. We really want to pray for people today. And, um, but I also uh, really felt in, um, in my heart, um, if I could, I just want the ushers. I'm not trying to get money out of you, but I know sometimes when a special speaker comes, you, once you've experienced his ministry, there's something else in your heart to, to bless them. And so if I could have some ushers get some bags, and I'm, or the baskets, I do want to um, give you an opportunity to sow into Tim's life. And um, if we could, Joel, would you get the baskets real quick, buddy? I'm going to, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to set the baskets back there with Gary. And uh, if you guys don't mind, but what we're going to do is we're going to open this time up uh, for ministry. If you need healing in your body, uh, if there's a touch that you're needing, uh, if we could have the altar team come up with Tim as well, and we're going to have a time of ministry. If you need to leave, feel free to leave. Just be quiet when you do. Um, if, if, if it goes long, if there's some people you've been ministered to and you want to go help the children's ministry workers uh, to relieve them so that they can have prayer, that would be good. But um, there's just there's faith in the house to believe God. Has this message ministered to anyone besides me? Has it enlarged your own faith uh, to believe God? You know, that word of permanency, that word of permanency, how the enemy tries to make you believe that it's permanent. And I know even in the journey that we went through as a family, it was like after three months of Joel being paralyzed, it's like, God, is this permanent? <laughs> is he going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life? Lord, what's going on? And again, you've got to get to the power behind what's going on. And I believe today God wants to get behind the power. What spirit has been at work against you? And, and I believe God's going to give the, 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 the team words of knowledge and direction on what's causing, what's at work. We're going to get to the root, amen? And so if you're at a place where you're needing to get to the root of what's been going on. We're going to pray with you and minister uh, God's healing and touch to you. So is everybody cool with that? And uh, the baskets are right there. Yeah, I tell you what, just go ahead and pass them since you got them available. Just go ahead and pass them. Please, this is not out of obligation, but let the Lord touch your heart if he's wanting you to sow into Tim's life. And uh, just pass those guys and, and let the Lord bless you. Is there anybody here that's already had a testimony? They've been touched already in their physical body. Anybody been touched already in your physical body? Joel, you've been touched already? What's the little bit? Only paralysis. <laughs> in, in the service today, has anybody felt any heat in their body? Been feeling heat in your body? What area of your body was feeling heat? In your ears? What kind of heat did you get, Chris? In your voice box, healing the voice box. Praise God. 
Awesome. Anybody else feeling heat or a sensation in their body? Come on, don't be bashful. Ashley, what was your, in your back, in your back, okay. Well, we're going to open up the altar team right now, and if we could put on some music, Chris, and if you need to be released, feel released, but if there's a burden, if there's something you've been dealing with for a long time, and you just sense the Spirit of God, and you have faith to believe that today, we're going to, we're going to allow um, everybody to be prayed for, so God bless you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.